Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Let's start in Acts chapter 13. Now we're studying hearing from God, hearing the voice of God. We've talked about the inward witness, the spirit that bears witness with our spirit. Uh, we've talked about uh, uh, the, the unheard voice. How many remember that last week? Speaking, talking about the unheard voice, the voice of, 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 uh, of righteousness. What righteousness dictates, faith appropriates. What faith appropriates, grace is already provided. Amen? So we must understand there is an unheard voice. And you know, uh, for years I've kind of used this, this phrase, and I think it, it bears repeating. It's what I like to call spiritual common sense. Just spiritual common sense. You know, Jesus said there in Jordan, at the Jordan River, when baptized of, of John, he said, it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Which means there is an act of righteousness which you fulfill every time you obey the Word of God. The Bible says uh, that He leads us in a path of righteousness. Actually, it's plural, paths of righteousness for His namesake. There's a path for your life, a path for your finance, path for your health, path for your ministry, path for your job, your business, your education. There are many paths that God has for you, but He'll lead you in paths of right standing with Him. Amen. The Bible actually says over, uh, the book escapes me, but he says, I will guide you. It's in Isaiah. I will guide you with my eye. That's a parental term in which a parent can look at a child and a child would actually know that's exactly what my parent means by that. So God loves to speak that way. Now, we're going to begin to look at some, some what, I, what I would call more profound ways and voices of God and the Spirit and the way God speaks to us and, and, and really... It is important that, you know, thank God for all of the leading, leading of the Spirit, the still small voice, or what we call the inward witness. His, his Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Uh, uh, the voice of the Holy Ghost, the Word that speaks, the unheard word of righteousness, uh, the unheard voice of righteousness. But now, when God begins to come up to, to higher levels of, of the authoritative voice of the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, visions, uh, uh, trances, uh, 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 those times, man, I'm telling you, he's trying to get your attention. If he speaks to you on that level, don't you ever forsake it. Amen. I've seen more people get in more trouble by having an experience with God like that and then just, just, just discounting it. Secondly, you must understand, and this is a very important point, never seek a dream, a vision, uh, any type of you know, uh, I remember Kenneth Copeland teaching one time. He was teaching at Lakewood Church. He said that, you know, he was all upset because God, Jesus had appeared to, to Brother Hagin seven times. He'd appeared to Oral Roberts twice. He'd appeared to Dr. Summerall. So he started praying uh, that Jesus would appear to him. And he said he prayed for about three weeks, and he said he started using his faith. You know, faith means you, you believe in your heart. You're confessing with your mouth. He's doing that. And the Lord spoke to him and said, now you keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to appear to you. That's what he said. He said, you keep doing what you're doing, I'll appear. He said, but it'll set your ministry back five years. He said, man, he stopped right then and there. Many times seeking a dream, an, a, an audible voice. Uh, I know of a, uh, of a particular situation in which a, uh, uh, Brother Oral Roberts talked about hearing an audible voice and, and about his calling that God had spoke to him about. He was rehearsing it in a meeting out in, out in California, and a woman picked that up. And begin to pray and seek audible voices. Audible voices begin to speak to her. It caused her to get bound by a spirit. 
Now, her husband took her to several ministries. One particular ministry that was very renowned, very powerful and used in deliverance, uh, uh, the minister was fixing to minister to her and reached his hands out and pulled him back and said this. said, she don't want to be delivered. She likes those voices. And she looked up and said, I do. And she was never delivered. She went to her. She went to heaven bound by those spirits, never was productive in the kingdom of God. So you let God be the one that initiates his communication to you like that. You seek something like that, I'm telling you, the devil will show up and oblige you and cause you to get off. I don't know how we're getting off on this, but it'll help. Some of the most erroneous, ridiculous, far-fetched things I've ever seen or heard in ministry over the past three and a half decades have been from people that have gone on long fast and at the end of a long fast had a dream or a vision. Well, who's the first person that spoke to Jesus after 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness? You know who it was? It was the devil. It was the devil that showed up and started speaking to him. So be careful and guard your heart. Amen? The Bible says to guard your heart for out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. If God needs to communicate to you on that level, then let him initiate it. Let him do it. But if he does it on that level, you better pay very close attention to what he is saying. Amen? Now, here in Acts chapter 13, we'll look at Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 10 tonight. Now, let me just say this about the book of Acts. The, the book of Acts is it, it, it literally is the history. Now, now, I say that very loosely. The history of the beginning of the church. How it began in the, in the, in the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 3,000 were saved out of the 120 that were in the upper room. Uh, uh, the next thing we saw was a great miracle that took place in Acts chapter 3. So the church was birthed in power. Can I get a better amen? I mean, it was birthed in power. The power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the power of healing. No wonder the devil has tried to stop to, uh, those two things so much because he knows any church that gets anointed with power and healing, well, with the Holy Ghost power and healing power, he knows that they're going to be very effective in the kingdom of God. Uh, but, but notice this, the, the, the book of Acts, which chapter 1 through chapter 28, uh, is, is a chronological, historical, uh, how can I say this, um, uh, a story of about the first 32 to 34 years of the church. All of this took place in about 32 to 34 years. Many chapters, you, you can go uh, chapter 1, the first year, chapter 2, the second year, chapter 3, the third year. Then some chapters have a, have a gap where there may be uh, 18 months to 2 years in between the two. But it's, all, it's a documentation of about 34 years of the move of God on the earth. Now, we, we, there's doctrine in it, there's reproof in it, there's correction, there's instruction in righteousness, there's history, there's all kinds of great things. And one of the most unique studies of the book of Acts is to study it on the level of people hearing from God. Because the first thing it starts out with is Jesus speaking to them as he is still on the earth. He spoke to 500, 120 heard it. Let me say that again. He spoke to approximately 500 people. To go to Jerusalem and tarry till you be endued with power on high, and only 120 went. So obviously, even if Jesus stood on the platform tonight, physically, and spoke to us, there'd be some that heard it, and there'd be some that wouldn't. Amen? So you've got to make a decision to be a hearer of the Word of God. Because if you're a hearer, you'll be a doer. If you're a doer, you'll be a receiver. Amen? Now, here in Acts chapter 13, it says, Now, uh, there were in the church, I like that phrase, in the church, that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, 
uh, such as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menahan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Everybody say, and Saul. We know that's the Apostle Paul. It says, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Everybody say, the Holy Ghost said. Now, I, I've heard several guys teach on this over the years. I believe, now I'm not going to jump up and just paint this as a doctrine and say this is the only way, you know, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. But I believe the Holy Ghost said through the gifts of the Spirit because it was a corporate meeting. And in that corporate meeting, they had fasted, they had prayed, they had sought the Lord, and the Holy Ghost said. Now I believe he spoke words of knowledge and words of wisdom through the through the, how can I say this? Through the venue, through the conduit of tongues and interpretation of tongues or prophecy. Now, what's unique about that, people that are used in diverse tongues, prophecy, and interpretation of tongues, many times those gifts of the Spirit are carriers of a word from God speaking of the potential of God in your life. Now, let me give you an example. When I was uh, oh, um, uh, 15, 16, 17, I started getting away from God. I got in all kinds of trouble. And I ended up, after being caught, I got on drugs, got caught being on drugs, and I ended up in a hospital and then ended up being taken to my pastor's home. Now, Mom and Dad Goodwin ministered to me a word of wisdom through tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, let me just say this. For the first 10 years that I continued to stay backslid, that thing haunted me, but it would not leave me. You say, what do you mean by that? It was a word from God. I mean, it was a word from God. It carried a whole lot more weight than just the inward witness. I'd overridden the inward witness so many times, the inward witness didn't even matter, matter anymore. I'd gotten so calloused in my heart and my spirit, it didn't even matter anymore. So when the Lord spoke to me, and he spoke to me about everything I've been doing for the past 35 years. He talked about nations I would go to. He talked about hearing people speak in different languages as I would go to these nations. He talked about, She talked about, uh, Brother Sister Goodwin, through the, uh, the Holy Ghost through them, talked about signs and wonders and miracles miracles and healings and all, kind, all kinds of stuff like that. And it, it impressed itself upon my spirit. And I spent 10 years running from that. But then once I came back to the Lord, that reinforced a reality in me that if it wouldn't have been for that word from God, I probably would have never came back to God. I ended up dead in the, in the penitentiary. That thing kept after me. That's why I never despise a prophecy, a tongue, an interpretation of tongue. Somebody that comes, you say, well, it's the Holy Ghost saying. It is, it is a thus saith the Lord. Now, you have to understand this also. You can't just go flipping that stuff out. Because I guarantee you, when you start saying, thus saith the Lord, people are going to believe it's God. And the proof of the pudding's in the eating. You say, well, how do you know the good ones hit it? Well, I'm here today. Amen. And then over the years, as Dad Goodwin went on to be with the Lord, and we were all ministered to by Mom Goodwin. Uh, 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 Leah was. Alan and Pat have been. I, I think the girls have been. And, and uh, Mom and Dad. We were at, at uh, uh, Guido's Pelican Club. This is, uh, oh, I don't know, probably two years after we'd been married. A year or two after we'd been married. And uh, I believe Mom and Dad were there. There are another couple, George Dustin and his wife. Uh, uh, Mom Goodwin was with us. Uh, Alan and Pat were there. And so we sat down at the Pelican Club to eat. 
And they, we'd ordered, everybody ordered and everything. And all of a sudden, Mom Goodwin grabs the table and starts saying, no, no, not here, no, not here. And then all of a sudden, she starts speaking in tongues. The Spirit of God came on, and she just went right around the table giving everybody prophecies and words from the Lord. It was powerful. I said, it was powerful. It was so powerful, Alan at the time wasn't, wasn't serving the Lord. And by the time we got back to the house, he was just ready to melt, just like butter. She looked at him and said, honey, what are you doing for the Lord? He just fell out on the floor. He said, nothing, but I'm fixing to start. Amen? So you got to understand when the Lord says, in, uh, you know, we have these, we have these fall harvest uh, times in which people come up, and hands are laid on, and prophecies are given, words are given, things. Are, now, first of all, judge it by the word. Judge it by your own spirit. And judge it by that which God is speaking to you in the now. Now, let me just say this. When I first came back to the Lord, everywhere we would go, everywhere I would go, somebody would call me out and give me a word from God. I would say about 30% of them were accurate. You say, why would you say that? Because the other 70 didn't agree with my spirit. I mean, they'd just say, they'd say it, you know, and I'd just go, mm, I don't know about that. But then the ones that agreed with my spirit, I latched on to, recognized that that was not a promise. You know, if somebody says, you know, thus saith the Lord, you're going to get, you know, $50 million in the next five years, and it agrees with your spirit, you've been praying for $50 million, just because that word went to you doesn't mean you're going to get it. That's just God releasing the potential of that which he desires to do. That's the Holy Ghost saying. See, there's five guys here. They're poised for ministry. They're in the missions church at Antioch. Antioch established the missionary type church. Jerusalem established the doctrinal type church. Are you with me? Now, here are these guys. They're on go, man. They're in the starting blocks. They're ready to go to the world. Now, the Holy Ghost said... Separate unto me. Barnabas and Saul for those work we're telling. If they'd have said, all right, and now they're gone, nothing would have ever happened. They had to respond to the potential of what God said. And when God began to speak out those things which he said, then I guarantee you they begin to add the word of God to it, the word of God to it, the rest of the book of Acts where Paul is concerned. He is literally not only speaking, 90% of the Pauline revelation are direct quotes from the Old Covenant, Old Testament. Did you know that? You go right into the Old Covenant, and they come right out. All that he did was rightly divide them, put them together, and then added about 10 or 15% of revelation that God had given him. Thank God he obeyed the thus saith the Lord. Thank God he obeyed the Holy Ghost. Now, when God begins to speak with that more authoritative voice, words from the Lord begin to come to you. God is preparing your heart for something. There is a preparation taking place. Now, I kind of mentioned this. I don't know if it was last week or Sunday morning, but I mentioned this, and I, and I hid it and left it, and I shouldn't have done it because if we study the book of Acts and this direct commission that comes to Paul and, uh, to, 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 to Paul and Barnabas, to Saul and Barnabas, they go out into, quote, missionary work and begin to pioneer a move of God. Churches came out of it. We know in Ephesus a Bible school came out of it. God began to move. People began to get healed. Signs, wonders, and miracles, all kinds of things happen. But those definitive words from God, because you can go back and you can look at other times in which there were powerful, authoritative words from the Lord or angelic visitations in which God would protect them. He would either protect them in their success 
or He would deliver them from their failure. Now, let me just say this. Because I hit it the other day and I should have expounded on it a little bit. You have to understand where you are in your spiritual walk. I've seen guys, and I'll tell you, I, 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 it's amazed me over the years. I've seen guys get, get, in just a short period of time, get very successful by the word of the Lord, by the authoritative voice of the Spirit of God speaking to them. And that's not only ministry, that's business that just about every endeavor in life where people will be, be successful at by the Word of God. But then, all of a sudden, it seems as if they lost the momentum of that initial success. And something was built up. You know, it's a shame to, to have a, a big building and just a few people come. Yeah. Amen? I think it's a shame to have a little building and just a few people come. Yeah. Amen? I think people ought to be hungry for God, hungry for the Word of God. Now, I don't believe you ought to go, you know, sit around and some nut talk, some stupid, you know, something. But I mean, somebody's really speaking the Word of God, expounding on the Word of God, and allowing the Word of God to work amongst the people. There ought to be a hunger. We don't live in a season like that right now. We actually live in a season in which the Word of God is rare. In which churches are, many churches are depleted of their membership. Many churches are depleted of their momentum. So there are seasons in which you learn how to handle success. And there are other seasons in which you learn to overcome failure. And if you don't understand those seasons, then in a season in which you're learning to handle success, you may miss it. Or in a season you're trying to overcome failure, you may, just, you, you may be so, so geared to try to get successful again, you may forget that God has got you in that place. He doesn't cause the failure, but in that failure, He helps you to overcome it and rise up and become a success again. The first time God dealt with me about that, years ago, years ago, uh, 1987 was a difficult year for all ministries. There were, there were, there were, in 1986, there were a couple of ministries that just, you know, the, the, the uh, one guy got in trouble and made a public, uh, a national repentance. Everybody made jokes about it, all that kind of stuff. Another guy, he just got in trouble, ended up in prison. Two of the major ministries in our nation. And our meeting stopped in the summer of 1987. They just stopped. And I mean, the devil was on my back telling me, okay, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. But I went back to the thus saith the Lord's, what God had spoken to me, what God had said into my heart. I mean, the enemy was on my back like, you got to go get a job, you got to do this, you got to go back into this career field, you've got to do this, you got to do that. And I'm like, no, no, I'm telling you, God has called me. I know I've got a call of God. And I begin to rehearse and talk about all the things that God had said to me through that authoritative voice. Are you with me? Now, we, we literally, in uh, September, we ran out of money. We didn't have any money. We gave our last $50 to a missionary in Guatemala. And boy, the devil was just, you know, he doing everything he can do to get us to quit. Because that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to quit. And so we said, you, you know, devil, you're not going to do it. I remember uh, Leah coming home on a Friday night. I'd been, I went uh, bird hunting, took my dog, went bird hunting. And she had enough change for us to go. And she got uh, tips, uh, cutting hair. She had enough uh, tip money for us to go over here to Luby's and get two Luann platters <laughs> and two iced teas, I think. I didn't even get a piece of pie that night. <laughs> Tough night, man. But you know, we, on the way home, we had joy. On the way home, we were just worshiping God. 
We couldn't have been happier. We had each other. We had the Lord. You know, we weren't worrying about anything. We still didn't have any meetings. And we got home, and there were two strange envelopes in our, in our mailbox. And somebody who knew nothing about our situation, knew nothing about anything that was going on in our lives, had cashed some insurance policies in and had sent us the money. And that money financed us all the way through Christmas. And in 1980, that was in the, in the, in the fall of 87, 1988, our ministry took off. Just took off. And God began to bless. God began to move. In December of 88, I ended up in Ireland. We had open doors for revivals all over the United States. God began to move. And in 1990, in uh, end of 1989, beginning of 1990, the Lord spoke to me and said, don't take any meetings the first three months of this year. And I'm like, I bind you, devil. <laughs> people were calling. People were wanting to schedule. I was like, you know, they're, they're, what do you mean? And the Lord spoke to me and said this, you're living by your offerings, you're living by your support, you're not living by faith, and if I allow you to continue in ministry, that's going to continue and you're not going to, you're going to end up in trouble. And the first three months of 1990, I sat at home. I worked at the church, taught Bible school classes, went to church every service. I think I even went to some meetings out in the, out in the community, but I didn't take any meetings. And what the, the most amazing thing happened. That three months, January, February, and March of 1990, we did, had more income into Rusty Martin Ministries than we had in any quarter up until that previous time. And God showed me, don't live by your offerings, you live by faith. And then we hit the ground running and the rest, rest is history. But when it came to starting Island Church. Now listen to me closely. I could not start this church on an inward witness. I had it five years before we started the church. There was an inward witness. We were uh, at Pastor Sam Carr's uh, uh, Freedom Crusade and uh, a precious old friend from Lakewood, Lois Godwin, who was Brother Osteen's personal secretary for many years, was there. And, of course, we got reacquainted in fellowships. And I, I asked her, I said, do you remember you brought Pastor Doty up to Roy Love's church over here on Fuquay way back in 2001, and we dedicated his new 2,500-seat auditorium. It was Jerry B. Walker, myself, and Pastor Doty. She says, I remember that. I said, do you remember Pastor Doty turning to me and saying, Rusty, it's time for you to obey God. And to go down to Island Church, you're one of our babies. You don't belong to anybody else. John and Jesus are watching you. She talked about Brother Osteen who just went to heaven in 1999. She says, I do. She said, you know, Dodie would do that all the time. She'd prophesy and didn't even know she was prophesying. That's what it was. It was a prophecy. It was a word of the Lord. We had had other words of the Lord, but they did not carry that authority. When I heard that word, I made the decision, we're stopping this field ministry and we're starting that church. I came home and told Leah, she agreed. We had gotten other words. We even had people give us prophecies, didn't even know what they were saying. People that actually even opposed the church would give us a prophecy and would say, do you even know what you're saying? Amen? 
So you've got to rec recognize and realize there is that authoritative voice. So when you get a word from God, when God speaks to you, do the litmus test. Number one, does it agree with your spirit? Number two, is it scriptural? Number three, can you take the word of God and use it to frame the potential of God so that you can pull out of those promises the potential of what God is saying to you? If you can do it, then you go after it. Every word that you get, this is, listen, this word coming to pass for, for a, a Barnabas and Saul to go out and do the work that God had come. It was dependent upon them doing it. They had to go out and do it. And look at all the supernatural things God did for them as they went out and did it. Amen? Now, real quick, real quick, back to Acts chapter 10, because I wanted to do that one first so I could come to this one. That way, if I don't get to, end, to the end of this one, I can pick it up next week and it'll, it'll, it'll work. Everybody say, it'll work. Say, so he knows what he's doing. Sometimes. Now listen, verse 1, Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Now notice this. A devout man, everybody say devout. One that feared God with all of his house, say feared. Gave much alms to the people, everybody say gave. And prayed to God always. Now, this is the unheard voice. Remember we talked last week about the unheard voice. He leads me on a path of right. There's no thus saith the Lord. There's no prophet. There's no instruction. He's just fulfilling his righteousness as he knows. He's seeking God. If we study this, we'll see that Cornelius was actually a Jewish proselyte. So he was serving God based upon the law of Moses. That means he had gone through whatever rituals you had to go through to be purified and cleaned. And he had probably actually at that time become what they called a Jewish proselyte, which means he was allowed to go to the feast days and participate with what was going on in the temple or in the uh, temples that were around, in the synagogues that were around. So he was welcomed into the Jewish community. So he was doing what? As far as he knew, he was fulfilling the righteousness that he could draw out of that dispensation or out of that covenant. He was doing what he knew to do. He was doing it without a major authoritative voice. And I, 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 I surmise, I even believe, that he probably did not even have what I would call an inward witness working in him. I believe that he had a spiritual perception that this was now you say, how do you know that? Listen, he's a Roman centurion. Why in the world would a Roman centurion adopt the God of a nation he'd just defeated? Yeah. Yeah. They defeated Israel was under their, their, their dictate, paying taxes to him. His group of soldiers were the authority and the law of that area. They're God, uh, you know, if your God's so cool, then why are we ruling over you? Well, he didn't question that. Obviously, there was something about God that impressed him spiritually so that he literally became devout, feared God with all of his house, became a giver and a prayer. I like to call that the elements or the ingredients of revival. He's fulfilling the righteousness that he knows how to do. God's looking for a Gentile. Who's what? Who's doing that? Now, in Romans chapter 8, it says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. It's speaking of somebody born again. I don't believe he's born again. I believe he gets born again real quick, though, once he gets introduced to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice this. This is unique. It says he was a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people, prayed to God always. He saw in a vision. Everybody say a vision. A vision. Now, here's someone who God says, I'm going to visit them with a vision. 
Now, what is a vision? A vision is that which an individual is involved in in a perception into the spirit realm, seeing into the spirit realm, hearing into the spirit realm, perceiving the spirit realm, apart from the gift of discerning of spirits. You say, what do you mean by that? One of the 12, no, excuse me, nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is discerning of spirits, which literally is insight into the spirit realm. What's funny about that is the only time God ever used me in that particular gift, it was not through sight or hearing, it was through smell. One of the strangest things that ever happened to me in my life. Sitting on the front row of a good-sized church. I was fixing to get up and preach. And it literally, for lack of a better explanation, it literally, to me, smelled like somebody took a great big hit off of a joint or a bong and blew it on the back of my neck. That's all I could smell was burning pot. And I knew what it smelled like. Leah told me. <laughs> no, she didn't tell me. I thought that was just, I, I literally turned around and looked. You know, all these holy people sitting there. I thought to myself, that is the strangest thing. I, and so, you know, the, the pastor's winding up the preliminaries, getting ready to turn the service to me, and I'm going, that is really, and it lingered. I'm getting up there and still lingered. I'm going, and then the Spirit of God began to speak to me and said, there are people here that at one time in their life, they were addicted to, to, to smoking pot, smoking marijuana. You say, well, I hear it's not addictive. Don't you ever believe that? Amen. It absolutely is. And, uh, and they're being tormented now to go back to that life, go back to that lifestyle, go back to that drug. So I just gave, out, gave it out. I mean, before I even preached, before I even turned in my Bible, before I even greeted the crowd, I just gave it out just like the Lord did. And I'm telling you, that whole altar filled up with people. And 18 of those people were either on staff or were volunteers working in the ministry of the church. Unashamed. It wasn't a shame. I mean, you can be tempted. That doesn't mean you're, mean you're doing it. Amen. So we prayed for them, and thank God got some good testimonies out of that. But the point I'm trying to make is this. Cornelius had a vision. He saw into the spirit realm. There was a scene. Now, now notice, it begins to describe. He saw in a vision, evidently about the uh, ninth hour of the day, the angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. So two of his senses are firing. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. He's got two senses that are popping. He's got his eyes. He's got his ears. You say, what's he seeing and hearing? He's seeing an angel, and he's hearing an angel. Amen? Now, I've had, I've had some angelic visitations, but I've never had a vision of one. The two most profound ones, there was a physical sensation, and what I call a mini, M-I-N-I, -I, almost like you would... Have you ever had a... a like you look at a window and the sun's bright behind it and you close the window, you still have that image. The first one happened to us in Waianae in Hawaii when Leah was uh, pregnant with Breland. And we were holding a crusade there. We had a crusade team with us and we're having a great time in, in the church. And I got up to preach. The pastor introduced me. And when I stood up, the whole second row, tears were just coming out of their eyes. And they were looking up to the Lord. Some of them were worshiping God. And just in a, in, in a, in a, in a camera flash of a second, I looked and I saw this huge being standing over Leah. I mean, his head was almost to the ceiling. Huge being. And he was standing there and he was kind of bent over like this. And his wings were folded right over Breland. 
Well, I tell you, that gave me a lot of confidence right there. Amen? I mean, it was powerful. But the, the, the scene of it was like, like that. But then the presence, oh my goodness. You could hardly stand for the presence that was there. But he is seen in here. Listen, when your senses begin to pick up the spirit realm, you better pay attention. Two things. Number one, you better make sure it's God. The Bible says there's many spirits in the world, none of them without significance. Literally means this. All of them can produce something. And here's the thing. The enemy is an expert at sensationalism. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, there's all kinds of things that go on when people get a little, get a little flaky, a little freaky, you know, kind of invite things, kind of, kind of, you know, something will happen. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that, but, you know, we love the Lord. And I don't know about that, and we love the Lord there. Listen, listen, let me just say some things. That's why we stick with the perimeters that the Word of God gives us. Jesus said in John chapter 7, He that believeth on me, how? Not as the Spirit manifest, but as the Scriptures say. See, in my naivety, being so naive, young in the ministry, Lee and, I, we, Lee and I saw some things, never really experienced it in our own ministry. The only thing I ever experienced one time was a night when the anointing for healing was real heavy on me and oil began to come out of my hands. I'd heard Brother Hagen talking about that, thankfully, about a week before that, and he said, I just stuck my hands in my back pocket and didn't pay any attention to it. I did the same thing. Left two big old oil spots on a pair of my good trousers. That's sensational. There's no precedent. There's no, that's out of the boundaries. Gold dust, out of the boundaries. Listen, if there's no relevance to it, yeah, you're not healed by the oil come out of somebody's hands. You're healed by the stripes that are on Jesus' back. Amen? Gold dust, man. I know gold dust people. They're gold dust crazy. I heard one guy talking the other day. He got on an airplane. He looked over. The guy next to him on the airplane was covered with gold dust. I thought, my goodness, man. Well, in all that, we, so we began to see some of that. And then we ended up at Mom Goodwin's house and began to rehearse with her because we'd been in a meeting where people had, had their teeth filled with silver. I mean, literally, there were people we knew who their teeth had big old cavities in their teeth, and their teeth were filled with silver. Whoa, we were all excited. I thought that was great. So we were in there talking to Mom Goodwin about it, and uh, Mom Goodwin said, Honey, if God fills your tooth, what's he going to fill it with? And I went, Oh. See, the dentist can fill your teeth with silver, but he can't fill it with enamel. And I said, Well, Mom Goodwin? I said, We call her Nana. I said, But Nana? It was real. It happened. She said, Look over in... Exodus were those magicians. They stayed up with the prophets of God, with Moses and Aaron for four different miracles, reproducing the sensational in their midst. Well, see, that still goes on today. And the most gullible people on the planet is us. Amen. We, want, we, we, we pray every day, Lord, signs and wonders stretch forth your hand, your miracles, presence of God. I mean, we want him more than anybody. But we got to be careful because we want it to be God. And we want it to fit in the perimeters. When we really saw the move of God really take off over in Ireland, 92, 93, 94, right in there, the aberrations that began to take place in Ireland were amazing. 
They had statues crying. They had rocks moving. They had all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Because anytime the true supernatural is in manifestation, the enemy is going to try to come in and counterfeit it. So you've got to be very careful with all that stuff. Because it's only the presence and the power of God in true truth and in spirit that's going to get the job done. All that other stuff is just goofy. That's all it is. It is sensational, which means it appeals to the what? To the senses. Yes. Amen? So, saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour day. Let me, let me wind it up with this. This is far enough. The angel of the Lord coming into him and saying... Now, no. He's come with words. Somebody say, he comes with words. Now... Angels are not commissioned to preach the gospel. But they can communicate messages. I've heard some profound testimonies of people that have had encounters with angels that have spoke things to them. Uh, Even even some that that, that people did not know they were angels. We were blessed to to, to take care of uh, a brother and sister, Wayman Rogers, that built uh, Evangel Temple in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, way back in the 50s and 60s, into the 70s, built a big church. Your son Bob pastors it today. And so we were able to spend three days with them. And they talked about a man that came to their church. And he said, man, this man would just irritated the fire out of them everywhere they went. He said, everywhere they went, this man was there. Everywhere they went, this man was there. He said, this man was, he'd show up everywhere they went, everywhere they went, everywhere they went. And he said, one day, there was a Friday afternoon, they'd been busy in the church all day, and they decided to go out kind of on a, on a date. You know, we'll go out, well, let's go out to eat and, and have a little time together. And in their, in their office, they had an office configured in such a way where they could see, see that people would come down the sideways, uh, sidewalk and then turn and knock on their door. And, you know, you couldn't come or go without them seeing you because you, they, that's the, where the walkway was. And, and this guy came, and so they hid. <laughs> they were hiding from him. He's knocking on the door. They're hiding, hiding, hiding. And the Spirit of God spoke, spoke to Brother Rogers and said, you don't know what you're dealing with. And he came and he opened the door. And that guy said one word to them, you know, a couple of phrases, but gave them a word and turned around and they stepped around to watch him leave and he was gone. He was an angel that had been there for three or four weeks. And that word was about love and loving people. And it changed the whole dynamic of their church. And they began to love people and they went from a church of 200 to a church of 14,000. From a word from an angel. Amen? So, be guarded. Be cautious. Don't fall for goofy stuff from the devil. Don't seek things, because we'll, next week we'll pick this up and we'll go to the, to the trance, which is a higher level of God speaking to you. But here's the thing. Your bread and butter, where the rubber meets the road for you, is this word that agrees with your inward witness Amen. on the inside. The Spirit of God that bears witness with your spirit that you what? You are what the Word says you are. You have what the Word says you have. And you can do what the Word says you can do. If you will do that, you will stay out of trouble. Now, the Lord just quickened me to do this, so I'm going to do this. I I throw out the good one's name all the time. And I have a right to because I was raised in their church. You say, what qualifies them to be an expert? Or for you to even say that their counsel would be at a, a high level of excellence in which people would adhere to it. Let me give you just one quick, quick illustration. They began in ministry very young in life. They got saved. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. He was an engineer at the Sunshine Biscuit Company in Fort Worth, Texas during the Depression and gave up an engineer's job and salary during the Depression to go into ministry. 
uh, they pioneered. And how they did it was only by the grace and mercy of God. They pioneered the doctrine that we pretty much adhere to today on the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be confirmed. Mom Goodwin told us the story of how for over about a six or seven year period, as she would pray in the Holy Ghost, God would give her manifestations of the Spirit and show Dad Goodwin in the Bible where that manifestation was, both Old Testament and New Testament. The only two they didn't have any scriptural reference for were tongues and interpretation of tongues other than 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because that belongs to our covenant. All the other gifts of the Spirit, all of the other seven, belong to the entire both covenants. Are you with me? So they documented. They wrote it down. Even at our church, they were meticulous. Tongues and interpretation would go forth. They would carry words of wisdom, words of knowledge, but they would record them on reel to reel and go back and made sure they lined up with the Word of God. So they were meticulous at this. They had documented it, entering into the spiritual house, one of their little mini books they wrote, uh, Gifts of the Spirit, the Revelation Gifts, the Power Gifts, the Vocal Gifts, three different little books they wrote. In 19, when was it, Dad? 68 or 9, a man named Howard Carter came to our church. At that time, Brother Carter was probably in his mid to late 70s. Howard Carter was a conscientious objector during World War II. He was British. They put him into, the, into prison for that. Uh, in prison, he sought God, and God gave him revelation of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, a young man early in his life traveled with him called Lester Summerall. Dr. Summerall was a young man, and the most amazing testimonies you've ever heard in your life were Dr. Summerall would travel and go to churches and try to catch up with Brother Carter, and Brother Carter knew he was coming and would leave him messages or money or things to get him to the next place supernaturally by the word of the Lord. Powerful, powerful. Well, when the good ones and Brother Carter, Brother Carter didn't get married until he was 60 years old. He married the, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, wife of the man who was over all the missions work in England in the Assemblies of God Church. Well, they traveled around the United States for a few years, and in a meeting there at First Assembly in Pasadena, they sat down and they compared notes on the gifts of the Spirit that each had made about the same time in the late 40s and early 50s Notes that they had made on the power gifts, the vocal gifts, and the uh, revelation gifts. And when they sat them side by side, they were literally word for word. Wow. Word for word. The Spirit of God had given them that revelation. So that's where we get it from. It's from our heritage. First from the Word of God, because that's where it's at. Then the experiences rehearsed by them and the wisdom imparted to us by them to operate in these things so that we can see God do it correctly. So the good news is we want it operating in the church. We want it operating in your life. We want it to help us do what God's called us to do. And we want it to help us to do what God's called us to do in the nations of the world. Amen? Because if we have a move of God, what it's going to be is this. Are you ready for it? Yeah. It's going to be a move of the Holy Ghost. It's always been a move of the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand on your feet tonight. Glory to God. Father, we bless your name. Thank you that we can gather together in righteousness and in your name for the good word of God that feeds our hearts, for the presence of your spirit here among us, for the good fellowship of the church, and for all that you're doing in us, through us, and for us. We stand in agreement with every person in here who's walking by faith and believing you. We stand in faith for those that need to be here. 
touched by your power and your anointing. Thank you again, Father, that you bless our group in the Dominican Republic. Give them great, great outreaches in the next few days. Let the blessing of God be upon them mightily. And we include them in all the congregation in the prayer of safety and protection. Declaring no evil shall befall us, no plague come nigh our dwelling place. Declaring angels have charge over us. Thanking you, Heavenly Father, whether we travel on the highways, the seaways, the airways, the railways, or whatever the righteous labor of our hands may be, we thank you. We're not subject to trauma, to terror, to accidents, to evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. But Father, we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for that door of utterance. Let us be sensitive to you, that inward witness, that still small voice that touches us very quickly, very quietly as we minister to that waitress, that one that checks out the groceries, that workman that comes to our home, our neighbor, our co-worker. Thank you, Father, for a door of utterance that we may boldly proclaim and demonstrate your word amongst the hurting people of this island and this area. Father, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.